B2B has the potential to be electrifying. But the industry is paralysed by a culture of conservatism, scared stiff in a straitjacket of rational ideas. It's time for change. It's time to make B2B marketing visceral. Join us as we uncover and explore the truth with leading B2B marketers. This is B2B Marketing, the provocative truth. Welcome to B2B Marketing, the provocative truth. I'm Richard. And I'm Benedict. And today we've got Mitali Israni here. Um, Mitali, would you like to introduce yourself to the audience? Hi, so nice to see you guys. Uh, and I'm Mitali. I head up marketing at Medallia. So Medallia is a SaaS company. Uh, we help in measuring customer experience and employee experience feedback. And I head up a marketing for uh, UK and I, Middle East and Africa. Uh, when I started, I was the first person on on the team, but now we've kind of grown into like a small army of a few marketing folks. Uh, I've spent the last two years in uh, at Medallia. Prior to that, I was at EY, where I spent six years uh, in various marketing and comms roles. So I started off in the global team, then moved into like an uh, industry marketing role where I was focused on the financial services. So probably spend the last 10 years or so in various like marketing and comms roles. Prior to that, I was a journalist. So, uh, you know, uh, covering like world market news, um, learning more about like uh, what, what's impacting uh, our citizens in the world and, uh, uh, you know, driving impactful stories. So I was I spent some time doing journalism as well. So, yeah, that's that's a quick introduction uh, about me. Excellent. And I think that the journalism piece I'll be really, really keen to sort of return to, I think, at some point. But just to sort of start us off, I mean, you talk there about how you went from what is not only a, a large organisation, but would have been a large marketing organisation within EY. And you've gone to your present company and initially you were sort of almost a founder of that sort of marketing division. You've built the team. What are those big sort of like priorities that you had to address coming into a nascent marketing organisation like Medallia? So when when I joined Medallia, there there wasn't really much structure. Like marketing was just doing ad hoc events, uh, you know, randomly. There was not as much sales and marketing alignment. We weren't looking at like marketing through an integrated campaigns lens. Uh, so I think I had to kind of bring that experience. I came from an integrated campaigns back mm -hmm. campaigns background, so it was all very like multi touch. Uh, running campaigns, messaging across like six to twelve months, so I had to kind of bring that mindset into the into the team, and also in terms of like your marketing pipeline, there wasn't enough activity that sales could go behind. So I had to kind of really come down, roll up my sleeves, and you know work with sales teams to understand what channels are driving pipeline, whether mm. it's events, whether it's content. Uh, how are we going to maximize PR? How are we going to bring some of our sales leaders and our uh, subject matter experts front and center with like media? How are we going to shine a spotlight on our customer case studies? So I had to really kind of think of marketing from a 360 degree lens. And mm. uh, I think that was that was really, really exciting because, you know, my learning curve was steep when you're getting the opportunity to kind of set there was no precedence, right? Mm. So I got like the opportunity to really like uh, set the set the platform the way I yeah. wanted to and set set the scene the way I wanted to, and I think that was that was a lot of fun. And it's it's and now that like Medallia is growing, the team's growing. We're at a different 
um, scale. Now it's about growth. Now it's about like accelerating how we can get to the next level. So mm. I think the the demand of what we're trying to achieve has now completely changed. So it's it's another role in in its own in its own way. Great. And and you talked there about you you came in. They had. Um, they didn't have much marketing sort of like set up, but what they did have was an events calendar by the sounds of it. And yeah. that tried and tested sort of like sales method. And something that really strikes me is if you think about a SaaS business, um, it's quite short term targets, quite sales driven. Is that something which you've really had to wrestle with since coming in to actually show them the value of marketing, get them to move out of those short term sort of sales cycles? So look, when you're when in your SaaS business, you have to deliver on pipeline quarter yeah. to quarter. But as a marketer, you need to like balance two things, right? Mm. You need to deliver on your pipeline targets, but you need to also be able to kind of be be able to take a step back and see whether your message is on the right track, whether your channels are delivering the right kind of return on investment. Do you need to invest more on digital? How can you be... Um, you know, innovative and do something on with like the new marketing techniques, like account-based marketing or mm. how you can improve like your content, your tone of voice. So while you need to kind of make sure you're delivering on pipeline quarter yeah. to quarter, you need to also be able to kind of have that uh, bird's eye view on whether like the overall messaging or your go-to-market strategy is making sense. And I think gone are the days where marketing is an action-oriented thing. It's you are technically the owner of the market, right? You know the market and you know how to grow in the market. So I think there there is a bit of gap on how sales or CROs think of marketing. They think of marketing as action-oriented and not just someone who owns the market. And I mm. think those days are gone. And I think marketing and sales need to kind of be on the same page you know, aligned, uh, working on on similar priorities to, to kind of make sure they are going and taking charge of the of the market in hand. And I'm going to sort of just I wanted to pick up very quickly, and I hope we won't go too much down sort of a uh, a, a tangent rather. You talked about ABM, and you talked about how that was you know offered a new sort of like set of marketing opportunities. If you were to give any advice to people tuning in who are starting to explore ABM, in terms of getting yourself up and running, what are those really core fundamentals you need to get right if you're going to be able to set up a successful ABM program? And also specifically within a SaaS business, I think I'm interested in as well. So ABM is all about personalization, yeah. right? So A, you need to get your tech stack right because mm -hmm. ABM is basically learning at what part of the journey your customer or prospect is, yeah. right? So you get intent data through your tech stack. Mm -hmm. So making sure your tech stack is aligned, you have the right stack. Uh, you know, you once you know what the intent data is, you should know what to do with that intent data. Because mm -hmm. you might know like XYZ customer and prospect is like searching you or is on certain part of their buying journey. But if you don't have the right content, the right messaging mm. that resonates, it's it's a waste of time. So I think once you kind of get the tech stack, it's about making sure you have the right nurture streams, you have the right content, you have mm. the right messaging to kind of really take your customer or prospect through like a personalized yeah. journey, right? So you should really know, work with your sales team to really understand 
what that customer prospect needs to achieve. So mm-hmm. that's like strategic ABM. But we've also done things like one-to-many campaigns where we are trying to kind of do verticalized ABM campaigns. So that's that's more cost effective because yeah. you know you it's hard to kind of create content and personalization for just one single account. We do it for like a big account where yeah. like the value, the deal value is pretty uh, lucrative. But when we are trying to kind of take charge of a vertical, then mm. a one-to-many campaign is usually uh, quite quite cost-effective, works a similar way. So using ABM tactics yeah. uh, in, in that same same way. Great. And I think I'm, I'm glad that you've made that distinction between the one-to-one and the, the one-to-many. And obviously there is actually the one-to-few, which is almost the middle tier of ABM. And I think so many people get tied up in knots about what ABM is. And actually, if you think about it through that sort of tiering, it becomes that much more simple. Yeah. Just very quick, and this is, um, you may or may not have an an anecdote, but I'm interested. You talked about how ABM actually is quite an eye-opening experience because you're understanding that purchase intent um, or just intent more generally at different stages of the buyer journey, and you've got to make sure that you are in correspondence to that. You've got the messaging, you've got the content to take them on to the next stage. Um, I'm just wondering for the audience, if if you have any sort of like experience of where Going through that process, you really just like you found out something you just didn't really even couldn't have even have imagined in terms of what buyer intent meant for you and the content that you needed. I'm almost trying to ask, like, when was that time that you were like, oh, shit, I don't yeah. have the content for, for this. I didn't even conceive that that was going to be so I think a consideration. Until we kind of went on that ABM journey, we were just working with sales yeah. and going by what sales was telling us. Sales would be like, hey, these are like my biggest target accounts. And we would just literally roll out campaigns Excuse- targeting mm. at those accounts. But when we realized through intent data that, hey, these target accounts are actually not even nowhere close to like on their buying journey, they're mm. just like in awareness phase. So maybe these are the accounts that we need to focus on. So it was it was eye-opening for us to yeah. learn, get that intel on what we actually thought our accounts needed or what like our prospects needed was not exactly the real picture because they were on another part of the mm. journey. So that was really, really eye-opening. And I think that's something that we're like, aligning tighter on with sales where now we're just like focused on accounts versus leads because leads are like what nothing if they don't qualify right so it's more about like making sure you're qualifying accounts than just going after leads which which would mean nothing because Mm -hmm. now how uh decision making is done it's done by an account there are so many decision makers so many influencers so like one person really wouldn't be influencing a deal it would be like a a pool of people so you need to make sure you're activating your campaign in multiple parts of one account yeah i'm just very very quickly i know you've got some (laughs) question but it's just funny you're talking about how many people are sort of involved we've actually well so the the sister part of our company raconteur have just done a piece of research looking at how many different people are involved in decision making and we actually found out that 53 percent of decisions have 11 or more people yeah. involved in them like it's incredible how sort of interconnected those decisions are sorry rich anyway no, no I, th- I think that's um even more so than a few years ago when i think the the stat was about seven decision makers mm. right um but th- so you were speaking about the relationship when it comes to abm with sales and i think it's a really interesting thing because when abm first let's say hit the scene in the the marketing communities 
few years ago. Um, it was very much led by sales talking about the accounts that they wanted to engage and then marketing needed to just take that bat on and trying to engage those yeah. accounts. You're, you've obviously had an emphasis in your current role uh, and probably previous ones uh, around aligning marketing and sales. How have you taken sales on a, a journey um, and what advice will you give to, to the marketing community listening to this about building relationships and rapport with sales teams to have those maybe uncomfortable conversations with the, the sales leaders to say, the list of people you've given me or the accounts you've given me maybe aren't right to target because of X, Y, or Z. Yeah, I think what's really important when aligning with sales is first, A, making sure you have a you're part of all their the right calls, right? Sales would have their marketing huddles, they would have their sales huddle, they would have their uh, QSRs, QBRs, and you need to make sure, I at least make sure that marketing has a spot on all weekly sales huddles, whether it's marketing will have a spot in all quarterly sales reviews, mm -hmm. all quarterly business reviews. So kind of just making sure that in your leadership calls, marketing is an important part of the ecosystem. Second, I think what's important to do is to understand what sales is firstly trying to achieve, right? Because ultimately, your end goal is making sales win, right? Because they, you need to, while you need to kind of fill pipeline, you need to also more and more these days understand on how you can close those deals. Precisely, yeah. And and while marketing is measured on pipeline qualified, how businesses are functioning these days is also marketing will soon start to like need to own whether they are influencing pipeline, whether they're helping in closing those deals. So firstly, you need to understand what the sales priorities are. Like for example, in the new market, the goal would be to grow presence, right? Grow your database, bring in new contacts. But in an evolved market, it would be about accelerating deals. So really firstly understanding, depending on which part of the market you're operating, because EMEA is such a huge market. There are some markets which are mature, some markets which are evolved, some markets where you are trying to grow into, you need to first understand what like your sales team are achieving. Second, you need to understand what products resonate because ultimately it's, it's that you need to get the sales and marketing alignment, right? And messaging needs to mm -hmm. be consistent, right? Like sales messaging and marketing messaging should not be... Uh, disconnected because that's just uh, a recipe for disaster, right? Because like it just creates a lot of confusion in the minds of your customers and prospects. So you need to align on that. And lastly, I think what you need to do is that you need to kind of make sure that you have that buy-in from sales, right? Because you need to like be able to build that trust with your leaders to to make sure that to create like they need to understand marketing and understand the value it brings. So A, that if it's going to drive pipeline and if it's going to de drive deal acceleration, you need to make sure you're telling sales on how it's actually going to do. So just, again, communication becomes a huge part of that, of that function. So what I, what I hear from that, and I think that they're, they're all really valid points, is that the marketing function needs to think more business first. Yes. Uh, think, think about the outcomes that the business needs. And in turn, if marketing functions are able to do that and prove they understand what we need to achieve commercially as a business to, I would go one step further and say, it's not just about the sales, it's about profitability in some instances. I know that in SaaS space, it's a little bit different, but, um, you know, it's not always just about 
turnover and revenue, right? Um, it could be increased market share, but the, the marketing community understanding more about what the business needs. And in turn, that will hopefully build trust and rapport and relationships with the sales teams because they'll maybe consider marketing in a slightly different way than maybe traditionally they have seen marketing because, yeah. you know, that relationship's been very fractious over yes, an, yes. a number of years. Yes. Um, so, so, so I suppose that the, my question back to you is, well, we know this, but how can we ensure that um, when you put your, your marketers into these meetings and uh, how do we make sure that they are providing tangible value and show and giving, you know, an opportunity to for the sales teams to understand the value that marketing are bringing rather than just attending these meetings, but no one listening to them? I think if you're talking the same language as them, so you're talking about numbers, you're talking about like deal sizes, you're talking about what kind of influence it will bring. So for example, if we do a, a big ticket event or like a small intimate event in in one of our, in part of like a multi-touch campaign, in every time when we do a wrap up, we'll do a debrief. So we'll get uh, the marketing team to send out an email saying, okay, these are the key accounts that attended. This was the pipeline we influenced. The potential deal size is this. So like when you attach or attribute a dollar figure to it, mm -hmm. that's when sales, uh, you know, their eyes light up like, okay, yes, there is a dollar figure attached to it. So when you can like quantify the the work you're doing in metrics, and that's that's why it's important to be a data-driven marketer. Gone are the days where like just, Finger in the air. Yeah, putting in creative ads and hospitality works. You need to be able to kind of really attribute how your activity is going to like drive pipeline, right? And that only comes when you're you're revenue driven and data driven. And do you think that the relationship between sales and marketing and where that relationship is going, do you think it is viewed from a sales perspective as a complementary relationship? Or do you think that there is a, any level that sales might feel a little bit threatened by marketing at the moment in terms of marketing as we're getting, you know, much more sophisticated in terms of how we're using data? We're also using a number of different sort of digital means to engage prospects and to take them further down the journey before mm. sales need to become involved. Do you think there's any part where sales feel threatened by marketing? Not at all. Not it's at all? Always oh, going to be I wanted, a you, I wanted you to say yes. It's <laughs> always going to be a complementary, complementary relationship, yeah. right? Because ultimately, it is a people-driven business, yeah. right? So the deal would be closed by a person, right? Then people, we are, we obviously, I, I appreciate the world has moved to a digital yeah. first world. Everyone consumes their uh you know does all their research about the product they want to buy way ahead of time through dark social yeah. a different part of the buying journey obviously that has a huge influence but still date people still want a person assigned to an account right mm -hmm. they need someone like yeah this is the point of contact yeah. on my account and we're never going to be able to kind of but it is different now like mm -hmm. it, it is because um, previously, you know, um, because sales were involved much earlier on in the sales cycle, they probably had to do a lot more to get those deals to a point where they close. Yeah. Now they're seeing that the value from marketing is that they're getting them into a place where they're yeah. easier to close and therefore they should see it as a real positive because mm. yeah. their jobs are getting easier, yeah. but there's less of them. I know. I mean, I, I, tr I tried as hard as I could to get you to provocatively say that 
it's the end of sales, but you were diplomatically responded. So, uh, do you actually believe, the... do you think it's the end of sales? No, I don't. I just wanted to get something provocative. <laughs> but I do feel that there is legitimacy in terms of this argument that if you look at that, um, you know, ultimately sales and marketing are working towards the same thing. But the proportion of um, that sort of overall um, sales journey or purchase decision or whatever you want to call it that marketing are going to be becoming responsible for, I think is growing. And I think that it's only going to be shrinking from a sales perspective. I think you're absolutely right that there is still that need at that very, very sort of that climax, if you like, to have um, a human being there. But I, I do think that, that that balance is going to continue to shift towards greater importance of, of marketing. Yeah. But I think when it comes to like the sales leaders I've seen that have succeed are the ones who are like value selling. So who really understand the command mm. of the message, who understand like the challenges that the customer mm. is facing when they're able to kind of put themselves in the customer's shoes or in yeah. the prospect's shoes. Those are the salespeople that succeed not the ones who kind of take a technology product and say, hey, these are all our SaaS features. So it needs to be a very value-selling model. And I've seen those kind of sales leaders really, you know, who have the consultative mindset really, really exceed. And and they're probably one of the best partners and the best champions for marketing as well. Absolutely. I mean, you're giving all of absolutely the right answers here and I'm being facetious almost in trying to sort of push this. But, you know, I think that you you talked about that, it's important that... You know, a good salesperson uh, is very much has a value-based approach, completely sort of agree, and that consultancy. But even if we rewind our conversation, you were talking around ABM and actually what was so eye-opening for you in terms of uh, all of the attention had been gone to the sort of the top target accounts as sort of determined by sales. And actually what marketing were able to do using the different technologies and data at their disposal was to say, well, look, this isn't a good investment in time from a business perspective. We'd be much better off, you know, investing our time, our money, our resources in these accounts. because These are the ones that have got that intent data. So you know, I think even that is just an example of maybe where uh, uh, marketing are, are winning that battle. Not that there needs to be a battle. But I, I, I shall stop trying to sort of force this, force this issue now. <laughs> but, but I think, um, you know, even I, I, I joked when I spoke about it, uh, but there are less salespeople now because there's less requirement for the amount of salespeople. But um, I think your your insight's right. Certainly coming from the background that you came from, obviously in one of the, the, the biggest consultants in the world, I'm sure you saw the best way for partners to obviously lead the, the sales charge and presumably similar traits now in the business that you're working in are prevailing when it comes to a sales perspective, like you said, right? Yeah, yeah. I think so when in consultancies, it's human capital, right? They're trying to Mm. kind of sell a service. So ultimately they're sending, selling human capital. So in those kind of organizations, obviously uh, it's a people-led organization, but those are also kind of now getting heavily influenced by what like technology has to offer, right? Because a lot of times the services, the the consultancies are also kind of trying to bring to market, have got technology underpinned. Mm. So, well, it's exactly the same as the agency world. Yeah. You know, ultimately we're service based businesses, but people need more than that now because we need the data and the tech. Exactly. Do you think if you were now to go back into EY with the experience that you have gained, that you would almost be a disruptive marketer? I think after working for, 
a, a mid-sized organization where like your growth curve is at like a, a peak and you know you're having to hustle mm. I would not want to go back to a very very big organization yeah. I'd want to kind of be always in a you know an organization mm. where you have a lot of autonomy where it's fast-paced and nothing can beat like the pace of SaaS like yeah yeah uh it they they just operate they're so agile things like things move quickly yeah. everyone's uh, and when you're in a slightly smaller organization now medalia is not as small as when i joined mm. you actually get to know most of the people you work with right because yeah. it's ultimately like a, we're a few hundred now we're in a few thousands but um yeah you kind of can but in an organization which is so big you don't really get to know everyone yeah. you're still it's it's hard to kind of get that big picture on where you actually fit in that whole grand scheme of things but i think when you're in a mid-sized organization yeah. you actually do understand the value you're actually bringing sure. to table because you can see it live Definitely. right but when if you're in a global role it or in an emia role the action happens in in locally but you're so far away to be able yeah. to actually see the impact you're you're driving well on the subject of agility you're very agile at deflecting my attempts to get you to say something provocative about being a disruptive marketer go back into ey and so i'm really conscious of um time um, i think it's been a fantastic conversation now one of the questions that we like to finish on um is around really really good strong creative whether that's in b2b or within um you know a b2c environment but marketing that really makes you feel as well as think so i'd just love it if you maybe could share um is has there been a piece of communication that you've seen that you've really felt in your guts recently yeah not very recently but i think when i was at ey and ey was going through this whole brand shift where they were moving from ernst and young to ey and they yeah. were really trying to kind of lead uh prove themselves as a disruptor and they launched their uh building a better working world and better questions campaign and it yeah. was about how by asking better questions you're solving better problems mm -hmm. and i just saw the messaging the taglines the imagery everything was about problem solving right yeah. and it kind of really resonated with with an audience which was whether it was in the technology vertical or in it it, it really changed UI's positioning from being an audit firm to actually being like a disruptor where mm -hmm. it's uh it's got that consultative mindset. So I think that was one of their quite quite uh, impressive campaigns. They won a couple of awards for it as well. So I think that was and I think that was quite personal to me because I saw the mm. campaign come alive. I you know I, I know you guys have worked with EY as well. Yeah, we yes. worked around Uh, that messaging actually with okay. them as well yeah brilliant so yeah, yeah you yeah. know the the kind of uh, impact it must yeah. have had and it uh, was it was something for me that was an interesting one because uh you're quite right obviously they were going through quite a significant trans uh, transition at the time um but it emanated across the whole business yeah. you know when you had conversations with people uh you know the word internally is really strong when everyone was basically going back when they were looking at briefing documents when they were speaking to agencies or when they were speaking internally does this does this align with our messaging and does this talk to the better questions problem solving piece yeah. so i thought it was quite quite impactful and interesting as well yeah yeah Well I know I think from from me I think one of the key things which I'm not going to do a sum up which I usually do I'm actually just going to pinpoint on on one thing and it's probably no surprises given I've already mentioned it a couple of times but 
I just find it fascinating what you were talking about in terms of when you do take that ABM approach and when you get your text stat right and you really do understand intent at different points, how profound those findings can be and how that can not only influence your marketing program, your decisions, but actually sort of wider business strategy, commercial strategy as well. So I think that really, really stood out for me. Uh, so yeah, thanks for sharing that. I don't know, Rich, if you had anything else you would. Well, the one thing I'm out. the one thing I'm quite intrigued about, and the last last point from me is, you obviously went from the broadcast journal, journalism background. How did you make the jump from journalism to marketing? So I think when you're in journalism, you know how to like distill messaging, share stories, and create like compelling messaging and I think that's very valued in the marketing world because ultimately marketers are trying to tell stories to their prospects mm -hmm. and customers right so if you're able to really distill that messaging and uh, simplify it that those those kind of attributes are very valued and and journalism is a very high-paced uh, environment like news is changing daily right so you need to be willing and you need to be in a position to kind of come on ground and literally think on your feet because you don't know at least as marketers you can plan your week but as journalists you can't plan your week because you have to literally plan on all, all it's yeah. all reactive right so uh those those skill sets are quite valued in in the business world and then i went and like did uh, my mba so kind of that helped round up all those skills right so that was i think marketing was like the the right step in the right way excellent well there we go we've got two provocative truths first provocative truth is that journalists make the best marketers <laughs> and second provocative truth is get your intent data because you don't know what you're doing unless you really understand that intent so indeed fantastic thanks very much for joining us well thank you so much such a pleasure being here thanks batali thank you very much b2b marketing the provocative truth is brought to you by allen agency to find out more head to allen-agency.com you can stream b2b marketing the provocative truth on apple Podcasts, spotify or anywhere else great podcasts are found and don't forget to click subscribe to ensure you don't miss out on any future episodes on behalf of the team here at allen thanks for listening